0: Hello and welcome to Kicking Tires. My name is Jimmy. And I'm Justin. And today is July 22nd. A little bit delayed today, or this week I should really say, but we delayed it for a good reason, because all the Civic Type R news came out, and we really want to talk about that. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's talk about another R. This is a Ford Raptor R, and it's a... It's exactly what we thought, really, right? It's basically the Raptor with the GT500 engine. Yeah, 5.2 liter
1: supercharged V8, 700 horsepower, 640 pounds feet of torque. So, meant to compete against the uh, TRX. It's not quite as powerful as the TRX, I think, at least in terms of torque. But this is a more modern engine, so I assume it's going to get better fuel economy. It's got the 10 speed. It's lighter with the aluminum body. Uh, I don't think people really care about fuel economy in this, but the, the TRX is, is, is hard not to care about fuel economy because you just spend so much time at the gas pumps.
0: <laughs> well, this thing, because of, I mean, aluminum block, aluminum body panels, you're looking at about 500 pound weight savings compared to the TRX. Yeah, and it's got a badass hood scoop. Like overall,
1: it's because uh, RAM doesn't really have kind of that in between model. I know they have the Rebel, but they don't have anything like as cool as a normal Raptor. So this is uh, this is not a huge departure from a normal Raptor, whereas the TRX is a huge departure from the the Rebel. Rebels. <laughs> um, this is a little bit more aggressive with the with the uh body and the graphics, but not too crazy. The Raptors are already fairly crazy. Uh 37 inch KO2s.
0: Kinda mm-hmm. cool. So just to step back a little bit, the TRX is 702 horsepower, 650 pound feet of torque. Oh. So you're only down two horsepower and 10 pound feet. So like mm-hmm. really negligible differences between the the numbers wise. Yeah. Um But I'm sure we're going to see a ton of Drag Race comparisons on and off-road
1: to see which is going to be, you know, actually king. Because those are peak power numbers. At the same time, one's got a a much uh, bigger displacement, but one's lighter and one's more modern and better engineered, probably, with,
0: with a better transmission. So...
1: Interesting yeah. to
0: see this. Curious to see kind of, you know, what's going to happen. Eight speed versus 10 speed. Um, so yeah. to to make the Raptor R, what they really done is they, they dropped the GT500 engine, right? They change out the front springs because it is a heavier engine compared to the regular Raptor, about 100 pounds more. There's stronger axles, stronger uh, drive shafts, stuff that you need for that extra power. But really it's just a gt500 engine with a smaller pulley to increase that lower mid-range torque because the gt500 has like 760 horsepower mm-hmm. i think it was but less torque like this is it's really designed for the the capability yeah. for the raptor
1: and they've re-engineered this engine like you know i read they they use a different oil pan because you're gonna have you know really steep inclines. It's similar to, you know, high G situations that you would have in a GD500, but this is like, you know, you're going to be on your side or or you're going to be at a very steep downhill or ascent. And so a different, you have to kind of re-engineer this thing. You don't really think about that. I don't know how much difference there is with, uh, you know, a Challenger with the Hellcat motor versus the TRX, but this is kind of cool that, you know, Ford talks about, Hey, we've we've got shared parts with uh, the gd 500 which is kind of cool because that engine is kind of special, and it's good to see it in more than just the Mustang. Um, you know, this is this is like a pretty sweet Halo car for Ford, mm-hmm. uh, so it's good to see that engine in it. I don't think they've bastardized it as much as the the Hellcat engine, because uh, I don't know with the Jeep and. They they they've put that Hellcat engine in everything now. It feels <laughs> like it just feels like because they have nothing better to do, uh, and I don't know how much. Well, the TRX is pretty thoroughly engineered, but a lot of times they don't really. It feels a bit lazy on FCA Stellantis' part.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. What's um kind of cool is like the Raptor R, like on paper, almost everything about it is like one upping the trx kind of like how the trx when it launched it was one upping the raptor the regular yeah. raptor the raptor r now it's one upping the trx like it has higher toll rating 8700 pounds versus 8100 has higher payload so 1400 pounds like everything that it's doing it's just one upping it mm-hmm. it's almost like they can engineer something a lot better, but they're like, you know, we only just need to beat it to a little bit, so that way we leave something on the table. Yeah, well, you know and
1: I mean? the TRX comes with uh, 35s, I believe. Yeah. I think you can probably put 37s on, but just out of the box, a 37-inch tire is going to give you so much of an
0: advantage over a 35. Mm-hmm. 109,000 US dollars. It is yeah. fully equipped at that point though. There's no packages or anything like that that right. the so TRX does have options. You no. Know, yeah.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, it's uh it's pricey, but I mean if you're looking for one <laughs> crazy crazy off-roader, yeah.
1: That's a cool $40,000 more than a base Raptor in the US. So it's it's a significant amount. I think the Raptor I don't know. For me, I think I would probably still just take the regular Raptor and modify it a little bit. I don't care so much about the exhaust noise um, in this kind of application. Because, you know, what makes the Raptor special is the suspension, the look, and you're getting most of that in the regular Raptor. And you can put 37s on a regular Raptor too.
0: Yeah, so this is an optional package. I mean the only visual difference on, on the Raptor R is how the R on the Raptor is in red and you get yeah. a bulging hood. I think uh, the grill looks
1: wider, I wanna say. Uh I don't know, it looks looks like ninety percent the same. Yeah. <clears throat> so for four you know let's say 70,000 dollars us versus 110,000 that's a pretty big jump that's a 50% jump to go up to the raptor r which you know bragging rights aside as far as the way i'm actually going to use a truck like this i don't know if the r is actually that much better uh, and you yeah. know I mean, as far as you weight know. goes being lighter is always an advantage
0: off road and on road Going off-road, I'm sure the the EcoBoost is going to be better on fuel as well, which you know, yeah, the these EcoBoost days is going to be a concern.
1: You know, you look at a Raptor and you think this thing's going to be ridiculous, and honestly, it does better than your average foreigner, <laughs> right? Like, you know, it, it looks so obnoxious. Like the Raptor is almost as obnoxious as uh, as the TRX, but real realistically it gets like 15 miles per gallon it's 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 a very reasonable uh epa rating for an suv or or big truck or something like that so the regular raptor with the ecoboost i really like i think it's a it's a great car yeah See. the r is gonna be like low low teens mile per gallon I oh think. the the gd
0: 500 all oh, the raptor uh, r is the tbd stuff But 18 miles per gallon with the regular Raptor. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry.
1: Yeah, because the GD500 gets 14. No, it gets 12 city. So this is going to probably do 12, or if not worse.
0: Um, Oh, it's going to do worse for sure. (laughs) Considering how much. You know what? It's
1: hard to say because I had a Camaro, I had a Corvette, and I've driven the Silverado with the 6.5. Two whatever, and the Silverado outperforms both of those in terms of miles per gallon, and it's significantly heavier. It's the tuning and the gearing. It's all it's all really important. Like you could baby that Corvette, and it does cylinder deactivation on the highway. It can get sick fuel economy, but in the city, uh, you're lucky to do, I would say, under seventeen liters per hundred k, which any half ton you know, from GM or Ford can do pretty much all day Great long. Standard. Yeah. And while weighing 1,500, 2,000 pounds more than a Corvette. Uh, so it's, it's hard to say, it, I, but I'm pretty sure uh, the, the, you know, the regular, what my point is, the regular Raptor is a reasonable fuel economy. It's one that I can stomach. The Raptor R is probably beyond my means of, as far as
0: like a reasonable daily Definitely not a not a truck that you want to daily. I don't think it's mm-hmm. it. I don't think it's one of those, but it it certainly is cool. And you know, I think you know, in five ten years, we're not going to see stuff like this anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Anyways. What we will see in five, 10 years is something like this, a Toyota crown. We talked a little bit about this last week, but we got the official photos this week and very controversial, weird. but it is what we thought. It It is what we thought, but it's weird. It's, it's really weird. So it is a high riding um, sedan. So the, so here's the thing. The greenhouse is actually quite small. So the, the glass on it, height of the glass is actually shorter. But like the body, if you look at how thick that body is from the belt line all the way to the bottom, it's thick. It's super yeah. thick.
1: The, the window looks short in comparison. Yeah. This is like first gen Venza. As far as like, uh, the
0: the side door, how it goes all the way down. Yeah.
1: And like how far the side skirt is from the ground. Like it's, it's a very low SUV, but it's
0: still almost SUV height. Yeah. It's, Uh, it's really weird. So there's, um, a modification that I saw for this on motor train. I'll bring it up now. Plop, it's Gazoo Raising and Modelista. So if you look at this, because they put the- um, That looks sick, the ground effects. It, it does look it good. It visually lowers the car uh, the, a nice amount. But here's the problem with it. Look at this photo. Because of the ground effects, how it lowers the car, now you got like 14 feet of side body panel and then like two feet of glass. I think that looks kind of gangster. It looks kind of like a like
1: an armored vehicle in that sense. <laughs> if you know, maybe to the different eyes, it might look like a handicapable vehicle. <laughs> like one like, that's
0: modified for wheelchairs. Yeah, it just looks it's so weird. But like, I'm It looks I cool. Don't get me wrong; it looks cool with the body kit on it. I, I think it looks really cool. Big but, news is it's coming to North America, they say returns to North America. I don't remember them selling a Crown here. We had a Crown in North America, actually. Oh. I did. I did search that up. Um, which generation Crown
1: was even oh, sold here? I like, don't remember. Year approximately. Because <laughs> I'm thinking Crown as in like the taxis we had in Hong Kong. Yeah, um,
0: it's, it's no, it's not that one. It's... Tw- and were they 27 even 27 years? years?
1: 27 so that's the 90s. I don't, we didn't have
0: a crown in the 90s, we maybe had the US, Cressida. US, maybe. I remember I looked it up whenever I said that. I was like, oh, what? It's a return of the crown. Oh, no, 50 yeah. year hiatus. Sorry, not 20 something years, 50 years. years.
1: So- in the six, well, I've definitely never seen one of those crowns. Yeah, uh, from the the early seventies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe we had those, but yeah,
0: it's not something that we remember.
1: We weren't alive. The first two years, <laughs> only the first two years were imported into the U.S. So seventy one, seventy two. Mm, there you uh, go. So barely exists, and no one bought Japanese imports back then. Anyways. Yeah, definitely uh, not. And. I doubt that even includes Canada. So it is that weird hybrid SUV sedan thing. Uh you know, got body cladding it on the side. 2.4 turbo. That's what similar to what's in the NX. And yeah. Uh,
0: uh yeah. Well not yes and no. So the 2.4 turbo, which is in the NX, but this is the hybrid 2.4 turbo, which isn't available in the NX. You got oh, a 2.4 turbo in the max. RX. So I see. two engine options. Uh, base is a two and a half liter hybrid, which is used in basically everything. That's going to be about 236 horsepower. The 2.4 turbo that's only on the platinum trim, that makes 340 horsepower. Yeah. What's interesting about this is it's still the same like Toyota Hybrid tech, where it's like engine at the front. You got a motor integrated in there. Or multiple motors, depending on the which one you get, and then you got a motor in the rear. The two point four turbo, the motor in the rear, it's always running, no matter what. So you always have power to the rear. It sends up to seventy percent of power to the front, like that's kind of like normal, um, and up to eighty percent to the rear. Nice. So standard
1: nineteen inch wheels, and then yeah. the
0: platinum gets
1: a twenty one inch wheel. So these are SUV sized tires.
0: They are SUV sized tires. I'm sure they're SUV like weighted tires as well, because like this thing is gonna be heavy. There's
1: it, nothing that will really differentiate this weight-wise from an NX or RX oh, type of SUV. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I it's a really interesting concept. I don't know why Toyota is doing this because they're they have such success with their with their hybrid SUVs
0: that do they really need to well, play with? So you know. this is to replace the Avalon, right? The, that's the yeah. thing. The, the main thing is this is to replace the Avalon. But like... And it looks very premium. Like the overall
1: approach is very upmarket, market. And it's, it's interesting. You're seeing Toyota's trend first with the Venza and now this is to elevate their models kind of like you know how we always talk about mazda being more premium than you know your typical mainstream commuter brands yeah it feels like toyota's kind of doing that with these models like the venza and the crown um and to me it kind of feels like okay someone who like me had a prius in their 20s you know as their commuter car now i want to step up something a little bit more executive feeling and this is kind of it. Now, the trunk is not a real hatchback. It's a very stubby uh, very stubby uh, sedan-style trunk, which
0: is kind of interesting. Well, what's weird is like the, the, the cutout, mm-hmm. where it looks like it should cut out, especially on that Platinum model because it's blacked out, it looks like it's the full fascia that pops open. But it's not. It's only the center.
1: Only the middle. It's very. It's more of like an SUV, and in certain terms of the length, it's more like a hatchback. You know, typically with a with a sedan, we we get a much longer rear overhang. But this trunk looks to me like it might be smaller than a Camry. It's hard to say. It looks like it goes fairly deep to that. Uh, yeah. Considering
0: like the luggage that they 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 have showing here, it looks kind of normal ish. Yeah. Um, but it has those stupid arms that come down yeah, that crush your cargo savers. yeah so
1: interesting choices here and there I, I I'm really curious who the target demographic is and I think it is those weird old folks
0: that I but, think it's 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 for an older generation it absolutely is you know it's to replace the Avalon who who you know who was young that about like the Avalon? Completely
1: irrelevant too. Yeah. Like, if they stop making the Avalon, then does those, those people would just buy something else? They would buy they'll buy it
0: They'll just simple. buy an ES. <laughs> yeah, they'll buy a Lexus. They'll, they'll buy a pay, Camry. They'll pay a little like buy a Venza. You know, if it's an Avalon, it's like you pay a little bit more. You get the Lexus ES. You get a much better experience. Or if you just want a cheap boat, you get a Camry.
1: Yeah, the funniest thing about Avalons is the what really differentiates an Avalon and a Camry is the backseat, and the backseat never gets used in an Avalon. Yeah. Because it's one, it, you know, it's two, if not one, if the partner has passed away. So, <laughs> realistically, oh <no>. it is... <laughs> it, it's someone, like a widow, driving that car. The backseat will never be used. Like, there, there's... Yeah. Oh, jeez.
0: You went there, eh? I went there.
1: <sighs> I, I think, like, okay, the grandparents that realistically want to take their kids out and stuff, they get minivans or, like, SUVs. Right. But the Avalon is is such a clumsy vehicle that I just, I don't get the appeal. And the sales figures
0: don't really support its existence, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know why this this is coming because if we take a look at the other crowns that's available so the crown that we're getting is the one here on the far left hand side if you're watching this on youtube but it's just like the suv sedan but they also have crown sport style which is like a Smaller SUV. Kind of looks like a Taycan cross-turismo thing. But it's it's a lot smaller. Smaller, yeah. Um, But they have a regular sedan, and then an estate. So they have a wagon, a sedan, a small SUV, and we get the ginormous sedan. Four flavors of crown. And they think we want the sedan. Not the regular sedan, because the regular sedan (laughs) actually looks really cool. We, we're getting the
1: ugly lifted to that, okay. Because Americans like SUVs, but we already have enough SUVs in our lineup. Yeah, but
0: the other ones look so much better. Like this yeah. hot hatch, small SUV looking one, that looks sweet. Yeah. I mean, these are concepts at the moment because the, the windows are all blacked out. You don't see a thing. Um, they could drastically change. But the Crown Sedan just looks like, you know, a a, a upscale like version of the Mirai. It's a proper
1: evolution of the Crown, like the Crown nameplate. Yeah, because the Crown is more comparable to like the GS, right? Like that mm. we had here. Uh, I don't even know if the GS exists anymore, as well. Oh, it still but does. Just no one buys them. I, I I never understood that car either. It's another one of these cars that are really not on my radar, but uh, the Crown is kind of that premium, luxury executive type sedan, um, which the current one, you know, it's it's an interesting interpretation. We talked about this when we're talking about the Corolla Cross, how this is going to be the Corolla going forward. Like, now it's the Corolla Cross, but probably in 10 years, there will be no traditional four-door sedan Corolla, because like we talked about, the Corolla evolved from like a two-door hatchback to a front-wheel drive notchback to a, a little, really little four-door sedan. And then now it's an SUV. And so it's, it's a dynamic thing that I guess this is the direction Toyota wants to bring the crown namesake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's... We'll see.
0: We'll see oh. how successful it is with the I'm, one I'm version really that curious. we're getting.
1: Yeah, because for me, it I don't want such a big car that's not an SUV.
0: Yeah, you don't really get
1: the practicality side of it. Yeah, the, it, it looks like a huge vehicle that takes up a lot of parking space, but you're not getting... The, I can't move a fridge in it. Or an
0: <laughs> aircon. like The only real vantage here is you're getting the traditional shape, but mm-hmm. you're sitting higher up. Yeah, and that's it's like really optics. It. I guess like people don't want to be, you know, like
1: I was talking about with the Raptor. Uh, you don't want to be seen in a big hunking thirty-five-inch tire truck with fender flares. Like you'd look like someone who hates the environment. When realistically, someone driving like a third-gen foreigner making one-third of the power gets worse fuel economy, <laughs> and no one, no one bats an eye. Oh, that guy's a tree lover. That guy loves the outdoors, but you know you look it's it's maybe it's optics a little bit people who really don't want to be seen in the SUV they mm-hmm. would take something like this which gives you some of the SUV flavor uh but not uh the guilt i guess associated with it for some people i don't know
0: no that totally makes sense that totally makes sense but <clears throat> you have no guilt if you take a look at our next vehicle that we got mm-hmm. here This is the new Blazer. We finally got more information about it. It is fully released. There's a bunch of models. What's really, really weird is it's available as front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, and all-wheel drive. I think this is the first... Okay, maybe not the first vehicle ever, but first vehicle, like a vehicle in a long while that offers all three types of projects. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me like when you're playing Forza, you can like switch differential, anything, like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can have whatever you want. The Blazer comes standard on front-wheel drive, but you can have rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive, depending on Why the model. would anyone want rear-wheel drive? Well, so they have different trims, obviously. They have the 1LT, 2LT, RS, as well as the SS. So the 1LT, that's like your base trim. That comes with front-wheel drive. If you get the RS, you can get it with rear-wheel drive or optional all-wheel drive. So I think it's kind of like RS is like sportier, right? Rally sport. So they want to give you a little bit more of that sporty flavor with oh, like rear-wheel drive. And then you can get a little bit more with without the
1: cost of all-wheel drive.
0: Yeah. And of course, the extended range as well, because it's, less motors same size battery you're going to get more range yeah that Um, is kind of the beauty of electric
1: platforms and i think this is kind of gm flexing a little bit like hey we can build one platform and let's say we have a front wheel drive family sedan in it or a rear wheel drive sports car and they will be built on the same you know skateboard basically uh Mm -hmm. and we're just stretching and Whatever it might be, but we'll have, <clears throat> this is kind of like them having a bit of fun, I would say, to, to, to make a choice like this. I don't really get it from a marketing or sales perspective. Like, I don't know why we need a rear-wheel drive only model. I think front-wheel drive gets the job done, and then if you want fast, just get the dual motor or whatever they call it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely weird because RS, standard front-wheel drive, standard rear-wheel drive, all wheel drive optional.
1: Only on that RS trim because only the on SS, the RS. which is the hottest trim, yeah, only comes all-wheel drive, like all of the electric, you know, sporty cars mm-hmm. out there.
0: So uh, the SS is actually pretty interesting. 557 horsepower, 684 pound-feet of torque. That's decent numbers. I wonder if that's going for the Machi territory. Well, the this is a lot
1: bigger. It,
0: this looks up, it looks
1: bigger, but the is truck it looks a lot bigger.
0: Yeah. Well, the Machi has 480 horsepower and 634 pound feet of torque, yeah. so this is definitely going to be more powerful than that. Yeah, the Machi's got actually good space inside. Like it's visually, it looks smaller
1: but it's kind of deceptive how big it is.
0: It's it's not bad, but this being like not the turtle shape that you know, Yeah. these are.
1: It's so dynamic the look of it. Yeah. The Blazer EV it's it's pretty sexy. Like it's it's well, what we've been waiting for from Chevy for a while. I think. The wheels are pushed
0: all the way to the edge. It's of... so hot wheels, like yeah. you know,
1: those hot wheels that you know from 10, 10 years ago. That you're like, what the heck is that? So the proportions <laughs> are so weird and impractical. And it's it's kind of interesting that they went for a very traditional, sporty, uh, architecture and like proportions because. There's no need to with electric motors. You don't need, you know, a big L shaped right angle front fascia like that. That's very aggressive, but not great for aerodynamics. Uh, And, you know, I'm sure the aerodynamics are, they they figured that out how to uh, have minimal trade off. But it's just like this thing is, it makes so much sense because people who, are used to traditional vehicles gas powered vehicles that is are gonna see this and be like hey that is that is everything i like about you know my gas guzzling crossover
0: the thing is like looking at the pictures of even this base model doesn't look too bad i mean the front plaque bumper grill thing is kind of meh but if you step into the rs it's This is very acceptable. This is pretty hot. It's not bad. Like it's definitely not as aggressive as the SS, but
1: the SS is nuts.
0: Yeah. But I don't think, you know, you really need that. There's no,
1: there's no bad trims in there. No, I think.
0: And it's like reasonable. Like it starts at 52,000 Canadian up to 81,000 for the SS. That's Uh, that's very before options. So you're going to probably stack on a little bit more on top of that. Mm -hmm. Um, 52 for base. It's not horrible with the range of about 400 kilometers or so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not bad. Definitely not bad. The brakes look tiny behind 22 inch wheels, though. Yeah, they look like legitimate
1: like Brembo's, but the wheels are so big that nothing looks yeah, nothing will fill in that gap. The but... the charging flap is huge. It it's is a whole
0: fender. It has that. Was it Taycan that has a similar thing, or the Audis, where the, the whole flap slides comes out?
1: backwards?
0: Mm. I think this is
1: kind of odd because going downwards, that flap. So, so how it is for those of you just listening, the, the flap, uh, it's about one foot by one, like a whole one and a half square feet, and it it flips downwards, which doesn't really make sense from a charging perspective, because your cable always droops downwards. I think, so it kind of feels counterintuitive, like moving it to the side or upwards to block the rain kind of makes more sense to me, but uh, okay.
0: <laughs> How do you think about the uh, interior? So I'm just comparing the the few interiors that they have here <clears throat> so this looks like the base model because the seats look a little bit more clothy fairly traditional Not but bad. but stylish it reminds me of the the nx and that's yeah. totally fine and the gm infotainment always works well it has some yeah. dedicated knobs on here like i don't see any problems with it you step yeah. up with the leather here, a little here, bit looks... of gloss black like like probably scratchy
1: plastics from here and there but yeah. like I don't um, think it's
0: that bad because like even the upper panels they're that's they all still really leather. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And if you step in the SS, you're gonna get oh no, this is this SS or R S. This is R S. RS with the two tone. Even R S has two tone, you get the leather already. SS yeah. steps it up some more with more bucketed seats, it looks like.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I don't think there's any problems with this interior.
1: I like this interior. It's it's very traditional. Like if you're yeah. the thing is if you're used to current GM products or even anything from the last say four or five years, this is not going to be a huge departure for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if you're used to Ford products, the Mach E is quite a departure. Nothing wrong, you know, against the Mach E, but this is kind of what you need to take away from those traditional buyers and move them into EVs. I think, and I really, oh, I just remember the, the paddles because I remember driving the mm. both the Bolt and the Volt and I love those paddles. It's so intuitive to use as far as like a regenerator uh to gain you some range and just use your, your fingers to slow down the car, basically. Yeah. It, it, it's really nice. I really like that feature and I would use it every day.
0: I I quite like this and of course you got yeah uh super cruise as an option like
1: for 60 to 70 for an average model I think this would be really compelling yeah uh you know the the stuff that's out there right now so we got you know the the VW IDs ID whatever's those are too small I think in my in my opinion I like them but they're a little bit too small the ionic and the the Kia EV6, those are those are a little bit bigger, but they don't kind of stir the soul. And they, I don't think they, they, I don't know. What's your take on those compared to something like this? I think this just gives you that that
0: this, for some reason, like this just gives me a little bit more flair, yeah. kind of like. Okay, so like, I I drove recently the the Mach-E GT and the Kia EV6 as well as the Ionic the Um, Ionic it's fine there's nothing wrong with it but like you said it doesn't excite you it's not like something that's like wow I want to drive this every day the EV6 was a little bit better but not by much the Mach-E that was actually fun that was engaging like I took that around a corner and I accelerated with traction control on and everything. end slipped out a little bit. It just it felt like a sports car. Mm-hmm. I hope this feels similar to that. If, I hope
1: they benchmark that.
0: Yeah. So, if if they're able to do that, it would definitely make the yeah, neither the, the Ionic or the
1: EV6 really inspire me. And I feel like they're they're very much cars that you you end up explaining yourself to people. I think they're very much that type of vehicle that it's, you just have to tell people, "Hey, this is why I bought it. This is the value you're getting with this car." It, Whereas you see something like this SS, and you're like, "Yeah, that's <laughs> I want that."
0: I think and, the the Hyundai, it's 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 Hyundai. It's like it's like it's hundred percent exactly what you expect from that brand. Yes, right? it's very like, practical. It's, it's your typical. Hyundai brand.
1: It's very much an appliance, the Ionic, Yeah. I think is how I would put it.
0: It's... Nothing wrong with an appliance. An appliance is great, but there's just nothing more that doesn't give you...
1: You, Because you need to get people excited. I think that's the beauty of Tesla is that so many people were infatuated with the idea of owning a Tesla. I don't think people are infatuated with an Ionic, and that's perfectly fine. It's a lot less douchebaggery associated with owning an ionic (laughs) Uh, your whole life does not revolve around you owning an ionic but i don't think it does with the blazer either like no the blazer is low key enough that you know it you're not you're not that special like you don't think but the car is is kind of nice like
0: yeah yeah i can't wait to see this i'm excited for this i really am But
1: especially the SS, I think for 80, that is kind of the right price point nowadays for this type of vehicle.
0: Yeah, definitely. Let's move on from that to the topic that we should talk about. The the one that everyone's the
1: most excited about.
0: Uh, The FL5, the 2023 Honda Civic Type R. So, okay, there's no specs for this vehicle. Let me just say that first. They have said that it's going to be the most powerful Civic Type R ever. So it's going to have more than 302 horsepower, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based on the 11th generation Civic, so it's a lot more subdued than the old one. But let's let's dive into it. Let's let's go over like looks first. Here's here's my take on it. You know if. You say that this is like, you know, if you bring this up to someone that doesn't know cars, would they feel like this is anything special? I don't think so, but that's good. It kind of resonates back to how, like the Integra e- or the EK Type R, yeah, the eighth, even the eighth gen um, FD2 FD2, like it's yes, it's special. But to a regular person, it doesn't look all that special. <clears throat> it doesn't have like big vents on the front to tell you that it's a racing car.
1: And that's the thing. Type R R never really stood for like. You look at NSX R. You know that is the the most R of all the R's. <laughs> and that that R is not that insane. Like it, I think one of them had that 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 whale snorkel on the roof. Mm,
0: yeah, yep. um, that intake. <clears throat>
1: But overall, you look at you know a normal NSXR, and it's just got a black roof, black mirrors, black spoiler. You know, it's nothing that crazy. Whoa, whoa, whoa! And-
0: you forgot, it has a mesh gear shift boot to save weight. Do you remember that? you remember that? the The type the 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 Type R NSX shift boot was made from this mesh so that it would save more weight comparing to the regular shift boot. Oh, like the fabric. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah,
1: it's... So Civic Type R, the new one, styling-wise, it is more subtle than the old one. Uh, I really like it from the front. That's why it's my picture this week because I think... They really nailed it with the wide body. I think the bumper accent that's kind of like at a right angle on the corners really stretches out how and really exaggerates how wide this front fender treatment is uh, over the regular Civic. I think they nailed it with the front bumper. I think because I think the normal Civic, it just looks drowsy a little bit. Uh, the hood scoop is not much of a scoop at all, it's just a hood slit. Um, well, it's an extraction port
0: this time, rather than an intake. <clears throat>
1: mm-hmm. And I noticed where they put it, relative to the engine, is right above the turbo, where it gets the hottest. Yep. Right above the exhaust manifold, if you can call it that. But downpipe, turbo, uh, that's right where it is. Makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> and it, it's subtle. Uh, you know, no kind of dip into the hood or anything. It's It's kind of conservative black mirrors uh much wider rear as well but they've actually changed the doors which is i think that is a huge investment that is going to pay off because that's one of the ugliest things about the fk8 the 10th gen civic the outgoing civic type r is that they didn't they cheaped down on the door so they gave it a wide body they cut out the fenders a little bit bigger and they slapped on plastic fender flares uh, and because they just didn't feel like it, the door is like a regular door, and it's it just it's it hard edge. Yeah, there's it there's a line that just is very un, visually unappealing with the the front edge of the fender flare and the door. It's just very sudden and just looks cheap. It's it's not graceful at all, and people have grown to. Accepted. Some people have gone and "quote unquote" fixed it by adding a piece of trim to
0: finish that line. Yeah, it's but, a super common piece.
1: Yeah, but the FL five has fixed that by putting investing in a proper wide body, where you have wider sheet metal over the wheels, wheel arches, and you have a wider door curve, so that the the door actually flares out to meet with the, the the fender arch uh in a smooth you know elegant and sexy way i would say <clears throat> it's not as dramatic like it's to the untrained eye they might not even notice this is a wide body car um yeah. uh, really nice side skirt and uh fender i guess another extraction vent on the front uh carry over from the FK8 in a sense and th- with the side skirt um, the wing though let's talk about the wing because I think the rest of it is predictable the rest of it is cohesive to me the wing is not cohesive but I've heard different takes on it I've, I've
0: watched a lot of reviews on this yeah. well the aluminum stands it, it- it makes it stand out quite a bit more than your traditional Type R wings. Um, most Type R wings on like the Civics and the Integras, they've always been just kind of body mounted rather than all these aluminum stands. So very similar to the FK-8 one. Mm. I don't mind the look of it. I would have liked something that's more FK-8 style. But I also don't mind this because in my eyes, the best looking FK8 was the LE, which had no wing. So like, if it was up to me, what I would do is I would take that trunk lid off and put a regular Civic hatch trunk lid on it anyways. Like that's that's the style I would like personally because I like the standard trunk lid more. But even the standard like Civic hatch, you can get a wing for that. And it's very similar in its placement, so I don't know if it's like the same holes.
1: Yeah, so my gripe with this wing, I think it looks OK. My favorite wing is the Voltex wing on the FK8s. I like the kind of all-out look that it gives. But from a factory wing perspective, Mm. I wanted to see something because I don't like how the normal Civic Hatchback looks anymore. I think it looks kind of like it's wearing a backpack, like it looks hunched over a little bit. Mm. And a body colored wing molded to kind of draw away from those lines, I think would have been perfect. And I, f- I feel like we will see this from the aftermarket. Oh, aftermarket world for sure. Yeah, they're going to give it like different style of wings that is is going to just visually lift the-, the rear a little bit, I think. And I think that's what this car needed. And the GT wing, sort of GT wing that they've put on it just doesn't visually uh, alter the shape whatsoever. It it looks like a tacked on wing, which it is, it, it, uh, yeah. and it, it's in it's done in gloss black, so it's kind of boring as well, uh. But very similar wing. I mean, a lot of manufacturers are going for this kind of, you know, metal stand wing nowadays. It seems uh, all the all the sports trims, but yeah. To me, I would rather see, uh, uh more integrated cohesive styled wing to go with the new looks this wing just looks you know overall the car looks more mature and then you get to this wing and arguably the old wing was bigger but i think the art the old wing fit in with the styling a lot better than this one yeah that's my my biggest gripe with it is is the wing uh the exhaust is now in a small big small triple exhaust configuration. I think the rather old the one was s- big, small in the one in the middle. Yeah. Big small big? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, it, so this that... looks visually better to me.
1: Yes, because it kind of tapers out rather yeah, than Yeah,
0: it's like that oval shape. Yeah, it's not going to sound good. Just knowing, well there's there's a sound clip that someone posted. Um, it's on YouTube. If you search 2023 Civic Type R exhaust. You'll find it. It doesn't sound horrible, but that was in a studio environment with no load. Mm. It's just you know sitting there revving a little bit. Yeah,
1: no load. It revs quickly. When that was the thing with the FK8 that I could never get over, and frankly, it's keep that car the sound (laughs) because. I've heard so many different exhausts, downpipe, front pipes, catbacks, whatever you want to call it, and none of them really does it for me. The car mm. is always drony and uh, when you're driving it on track, it's just it's just not a pleasant sound. Uh, you know, I know four cylinders don't typically sound that great, but we've talked about in the past there are good sounding at least better sounding four cylinders. And while this is one of the fastest out there, especially in a front wheel drive configuration, it definitely does not sound even remotely decent. Yeah. Uh, and you can listen to all of the exhaust videos. There's there's quieter ones, there's louder ones, but they all kind of achieve the same drony lawnmower effect. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this car will be that different, but I'm, I'd am i be happy to be proved wrong, uh, especially with the aftermarket, to see that, hey, there is one exhaust that just changes the character of this car, uh, and I would love to see that, but I, I haven't seen it yet in the FKA chassis. I think all of the exhausts sound terrible. Uh, the stock one is terrible as well. You just hear it. You don't actually hear any exhaust from inside the car. It's just engine buzz. Mm -hmm. Uh the interior, I think, is the right amount of special for me. I think the seats, they are what we expected, but they're the best seats on the market. Seats are nice. Any price.
0: Not not heated seats. Um, not electrically powered but they are red and they are very very nice mm-hmm. what's new for this year is the uh the carpet it's also red not just the like the carpet that goes on top but the entire carpet, carpet is also red too. Yeah. yeah that's very different um I don't know how I feel about that because like I think I'm just gonna get that real dirty I'm gonna get really upset about that mm-hmm. um but you got the teardrop shifter, you got the red emblem, you got red stitching within the steering wheel. It looks like it's a thicker steering wheel as well. The type R um, badge on the inside, the one to show you what number of car you have, it's right in front of the passenger on that kind of drill. Honeycomb it's, bench. It, it's a good place for it. Um, they updated the infotainment as well as the cluster. The cluster has a special R mode that um, shows you like your all your temps and it moves the uh tack in a more track diagonal
1: oriented way. So, the, the tack in the sports mode, we saw this with the GR86, which basically zero to 3000 RPM is squished all into the left yeah. because you're not going to be in that range on track. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're mainly looking at four to seven thousand. Uh, lots of temperatures. I don't even know what all of them are. I know there's there's water temperature and one looks like air intake temperature, uh boost pressure, oil temp. I don't know what the top right one is. Maybe ambient temp. Uh that could be ambient like air temp. Maybe. Uh, in which case that air intake temp is is double what the ambient temp is, which is kind of <laughs> scary. That makes uh, sense. It's, yeah. So that <laughs> you're getting temp gauges on the in the middle oh. and in the LogR app, which is now part of the infotainment system, it seems. Mm-hmm. The 2021 that I have is has the LogR app. You plug in your phone and on track, you can actually do lap timing and you can see temps that you normally can't see on the speedometer cluster thing. Uh, so LogR is now built in to the infotainment instead, which is pretty cool. Uh, You don't need to plug in a phone to get all those uh, lap timing and the cool gauges, uh, the six
0: temperature gauges. I didn't even know there's so many different temperatures to measure. But what what I also saw in the cluster is very similar to the Civic SI that we get here in Canada is we get shift lights.
1: Yes, they're very wide. They're all the way across. The old one had shift lights as well. But it like just kind of flashes it you, you kind of see it in your peripheral. This one is more of a traditional shift flight. I think it it how do you say it? like uh, sequential sequential yeah uh looking at other details, the wheels, the wheels are huge for me because hmm. they went that da- went back down to a 19 inch wheel, which is a better size. everyone within the aftermarket tends to go to 18 on the fK8 i think we'll see more people stay with a 19 although looking at the brakes there should be no reason you can't go down to 18 because the 19s are give you a little bit more tire it's still a 30 series profile tire but it's a 30 series on a 265 width the old one was a was a 245 30 20 Mm -hmm. so that's a really wide tire like widest they've ever fit to a Type R from the factory. And that's a pretty big jump for going from
0: 245 to 265. Not a lot of... Correct me if I'm wrong. Not a lot of FKA guys run 265. I know a lot of them run generally 255s.
1: No, a lot run 265, 35, 18, which is the equivalent of this 265, 30, 19. Hmm. But 265, 30, 19 is... Not available in a lot of tires. Hmm. I can tell you that. 2753019 is going to be available. Uh, I wonder how wide this wheel is, though, because to properly support a 265 tire, it yeah. probably needs to be at least a nine, nine and a half inch wheel, which is pretty pretty cool because the old one was a terrible offset. I think it was an eight and a half and like almost a 60 offset. I think it is a 60 offset. 8.5, 60 offset. Uh, so the old car had room to run a tire and wheel combination like this, but they didn't. Uh, this one looks like there's still room to go wider. though. Mm-hmm. It looks like a 285 square would be very possible on this kind of setup or with the room that the fenders have allowed. So that's kind of exciting. Well, I know?
0: mean, the, the tire that it comes with, their Pilot Sport 4Ss now. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a lot more grip for you as well. And well,
1: the old one actually came with Sport Contact 6s which are actually decent tires but everyone rags on them for some reason hmm. because they're actually they test really well. Hmm. Uh, PS4S are, you know, newer tired, but PS4S don't actually test better than the Sport Contact 7s oh, which okay. are actually a more aggressive tire. So PS4S is I think a 320 treadwear and the Sport Contact 7s are under 300 They start with a two.
0: The PS4S was on the the Special Edition, the yellow ones. No, those are Cup 2s. Oh, they put Cup 2s on those. Oh, cup I thought they were the horrendous in the rain, as
1: we learned this weekend. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But uh, Cup 2s <laughs> are some of the worst rain tires you can get. I don't even like them in the dry, frankly. But the PS4S is uh, a kind of more mixed use summer tire that makes sense on a car like this with power like this. We don't know the exact power, but Euro and Japanese FK8s got like 320 horse, and this should be more than that. So we can expect like what, 330,
0: 340 horse? 325.
1: Yeah. But one (laughs) major thing, which I'm really curious about is cooling because I, I took the FK8 to mission And I maxed out that temp gauge real quick. Like driving on street tires, stock tune, and I maxed out the temp gauge. So that to me was also a red flag on why this car maybe is not what it's hyped up to be. The Type R, the racing model, I guess what the R stands for. Just you can't race anyone for very long because it's good for maybe three laps before your temps start creeping up, and that's that's a problem. The Logar app showed it. You, you're exceeding 120 Celsius after three to four laps at Mission, at at Vancouver Island, at Area 27. On a hot summer track day, it will not stand up. Now, I'm really curious if they fix that with this new one, because giving it more power is great and all for selling cars and Testing well, giving easier to sixty numbers, quarter mile times. But in the real world, if I want to enjoy this car, I need to know that it's not going to blow up on me. I don't want to see 140 degrees. I have seen 140 degrees on my Type R on track, and that's terrifying. Like 110 for the for reference. 110, 115 is kind of when STIs start to warp. Like you, the Type R can take a surprising amount of abuse but you don't want to stay up there for very long. Your oil cannot stay up there for very long. Uh, So that is one of my biggest concerns with this upcoming model is have they addressed the cooling issues, Mm -hmm. which you don't have on the street, but it's one of my big concerns being a kind of a former type R owner. Uh, I'm really curious if the new generation is Resolve now under the hood. That's kind of the only difference I see is this extra little carbon <laughs> fiber box. It's a very thin kind of metal carbon fiber box that's bolted together with six bolts for some reason. So it's really heavy duty because, uh, but we it's a mystery as to what it is. It yeah. sits right on top of the turbo, right on top of the intake. We don't really know what it does. Maybe it's for sound. Uh, yeah if it helps the car sound better, all the power to them uh we'll find out more when Honda releases more official yeah. information on it but yeah those are my my red flags and i i don't know the brakes look revised, but not really it's it's a different caliper it looks like uh they're they look to be about the same size though uh but the old car had no problem with brakes that is one of the the things that Honda can you know, pat themselves on the back, they put a proper master cylinder and caliper and rotor on these that they other than actually the first, hold
0: up. Other than the first gen ones, right? The, the initial first gen
1: ones so they still had good brake feel. They just go through rotors like crazy. Yeah. Um I don't know what the rear brakes are gonna be like, but uh the I know the fronts they they do destroy rotors, but that was improved with the later ones when they went to this two-piece two piece setup, um, which is a little bit lighter, but a lot more expensive. Uh, what else did I say about the Type R? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what this thing, because it looks like you could probably fit a 285, maybe even a 305 tire on there. And that would be nuts because that would make it so fast. Not I'm, fun, though.
0: I'm just I'm just anyway, thinking like on the street, how much tramlining you'll a
1: get. A 305 square setup on the torque steer would be insane, too, because like you would feel it a lot more when one tire, one 305 tire gets way more traction and it just sends <laughs> you the other way. <laughs> but, well, the exi- the old Type R had no issues with torque steer, in my opinion. Uh, I experienced that for the first time in your brother-in-law's car <laughs> this weekend. I was just violent, violent torque steer in his Mazda Speed 3. But the Type R, happy to report no issues with torque steer. And okay, here's my take from having a Type R and tracking a Type R and streeting a Type R. The Type R is is a perfect car. as As far as cars go, it's one of these... Perfect cars. It just gets everything right. Brake feel, steering feel, shifter feel. Uh, it's got good power, very good handling, very good manners on track and on the street. But my gripe with the type R I don't have any fun in it. Like, it's just it's not entertaining to drive, it drives itself, and that's one of the things. Like, so one of our former employees is taking over the lease of great Type R and we took it to Oregon Raceway and he's like you know it's fast it runs a respectable time but you don't feel like you're having any fun because the car drives itself the car the car drives great but it drives itself and I wouldn't be surprised to see the same with this generation Type R because they're chasing numbers they're chasing lap times. They're talking about, hey, we broke the lap record at Suzuka. We're going for lap record at Nürburgring. And the car is going to be amazing lap time-wise. But how engaging and how exciting it is to drive, that is my bigger concern. Is is it actually going to be any better than the old one? Because in the press release, nothing hints that that's what Honda was going for. It does. It doesn't mention anything about being more fun. It talks about being faster. It talks about being more powerful, but fun. That's something that's kind of left the Honda uh, philosophy with the FKA generation. Arguably, even the old ones drove more. You know, you felt like you were more involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, the FKA takes you along for the ride, and it's a great ride. You know, it's like riding on a roller coaster. You you feel like you're going fast and you feel like you're doing something. You're, you're taking like a hundred foot drop in a matter of seconds, but at the end of the day, you're strapped into a roller coaster. You feel safe. And that is one of the things that just made me not want to keep this car is that it just feels too safe.
0: You want a car that every time you drive it just wants to kill you a little bit.
1: Yeah. And it's it's not that it wants to kill you. It it wants to kill you if you drive over the limit. And the Type R, I've rarely see one on track spin out, run off track. Maybe if they didn't break enough, uh, but you just don't see those kind of issues that you know that throw off a, a novice driver. It's a very novice friendly car. But are you actually building any skill with a car like this? Because it just It's the car taking you for a ride, not -hmm. the other way around. Uh, That is what I need to, you know, kind of review with a new car. You need to drive it on track. You need to see what it's like at the limit. And with the wider tires, I think it might actually help uh, as far as like being a little bit more snappy because Mm -hmm. you have more front grip and you know that's the thing with the old EKs, EGs, DC twos. Those cars would would bite you. It, like they handle well, but if you if you trail brake a little bit too aggressively, that back end is getting light. That is not a thing with the FKA. The back end stays so planted. You could Scandinavian flick it, and you can't get the back to come come around with. And and that's the thing is you're not getting to drive it. It drives more like an all wheel drive car in that sense, but it's just I want to see fun. I want Type R to stand for fun, and I'm not sure I'm going to get it from this car.
0: You want to Type F?
1: Yeah, but none of that matters because everyone is going to buy these and be, oh, they're not going to depreciate. It's, it's a great investment, but I'm not about that life. Cars are meant to be driven. Cars are meant to be enjoyed, have fun in. You don't treat it like an investment. There's better investments out there, as we always say on this show.
0: Oh, yeah. Something that I did see, um, I was checking out Instagram and whatnot. Um, the press cars that was launched in California, all Japan built. They looked at the VIN. Yes, I don't know if you saw they that. They killed
1: off the UK factory. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, Japanese built. UK, honestly, UK Type R's awful. The FK8s Reliability wise, build quality wise, one of the worst cars on the market, I would
0: say. It's just it's you know, the Land Rover employees were moving over.
1: The crazy thing is, uh, I think what the Canadian uh sedans were built here, and then the the hatchbacks and the type bars are all built in the UK. And when you take off a door, you can tell like this is a UK built car, this is a Canadian car. Interesting. Uh,
0: yeah i think that's really it you want to talk about your track experience
1: yeah i mean jimmy and i were out of the track this sunday That uh, was 17
0: i was in the rain
1: standing out he was standing out the rain taking pictures forgot <laughs> to bring his helmet i don't know why he happy i chose out for a ride
0: i chose not to bring it because <laughs> i was like, like well, yeah.
1: what were you gonna do for the second half of the day but well, it was a super wet track day. Yeah. Uh, good Wet track day is a good learning experience because it does punish a lot of bad drivers. I saw people ending up in the grass. I saw people, no no major incidents, but I saw a lot of people spinning out, getting black flag for drifting <laughs> and stuff like that. I took it really easy. I took the GT4 out on the Cup 2s, completely useless, no no fun at all because not you, you turn, nothing happens, you break, nothing happens. You can't even accelerate in a straight line, it's just skipping everywhere. So not that great in the GD4. I just mainly went there, instructed, took some students around, probably took four or five students out, um, just talked to them basically out on track. And yeah, that's kind of the whole idea. I don't really You're not going to set a lap time. I don't even want to try to set a lap time in the rain. But, yeah, the Cup 2's really disappointing. I drove your brother-in-law's Mazda Speed uh, on Yokohama Flava's V701s. I love those. Like, they're so stable. That car was so controllable. Uh, Really awesome tire. Like, it was an awesome day if you had a three hundred treadwear or above tire, and I did not um
0: so yeah, it was a good should, first time out for him should have sort should have switched to intermediates or wets yeah like <laughs> like like it's a f one race yeah, I
1: can't afford a second set of tires right now. you know what I should have done I should have brought my winters
0: no oh, that was been...
1: I got Michelin p a fives which are like a sporty winter tire. they came with the advan wheels so i if i put my stock wheels on with the winters they would have done better because those are actually really good uh like high performance winters that handle good uh and actually evacuate water because yeah there were times when i was just staring at a wall abs going off i'm like i don't know if i'm gonna make it through this (laughs) and it's just terrible i got passed by everyone and
0: bad times (sighs) Um watching it track side, I mean ev- there was a lot of cars going at it. There's a a couple of Supras that was just ridiculously fast. Uh that 992 GT3, three. yeah, that guy was quick. Like how he was going through some of those corners, I was like, hmm. he's a lot faster than I thought. But the star of that day, I think you know him, um, is the MX5RF. Oh. He has uh, an overdrive uh, license plate Jeff, frame. Yeah. So I'm sure He's you know super him. super fast. In the rain. Ridiculous. Like he was in, in the first two sessions, he was in group A. He was right behind a Porsche GT3. On well, the street, the, the GT3 would leave him for dead. He was nowhere. But I sat at turn 14. So almost nearing the end of the track. At the beginning of the track, that's where the longest straight is. He'll just he'll just be gone, because you know, little MX Five can't keep up with the GT Three. But where I was, he was always right next to him, and he got blue, and the GT Three got blue flagged to let uh, the little MX Five go. Hmm. How how upset of your ego, you know? Like, you know, you have a GT Three, you bring it on track, you think you're the boss, and then.
1: <laughs> that, that, that's the thing I don't understand. Is, is I'm like, I'm here in the GT4 and I'm like, I have nothing to prove. I, I just want to make it home in one piece. Because I don't feel like I am. Like, if I see someone in my rear view, I'm like braking and pulling over. And let them I really wanted to take the ND out, but just before the track day, I got it aligned and I noticed the engine mount, one of the engine mounts has a crack in it. Mm-hmm. because I, Occasionally, I would feel the transmission vibrate a lot hmm. I was like what is causing this and then I noticed uh, I have one little bracket that is supposed to come in tomorrow so I'm going to mission on Monday today is Thursday Friday uh, so Monday is going to be our track day overdrive mission event uh, hopefully I can bring the Miata out because the Miata's got like decent fresh rubber that has actual tread it's usable in the rain and uh, well, it's going to be a really nice hot, day on it's Monday. Be a really hot day, but yeah. I I want to drive that car there, and I well, I chose not to at at uh, VMC last weekend, and I think that was a mistake because I would have definitely enjoyed myself more.
0: Uh, um, in <laughs> my my brother-in-law actually really wanted to go for Monday, but then, but then he but then he was like. Mm-hmm sold out. Um, No, he wasn't the sold out part because he was like, I'm sure I can bug Justin and somehow make it on. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm, how about this? He just announced that he was going to like they're going to do October 2nd at the Ridge, which is a big boy track. Why don't you do that instead? Ooh. And He was like, oh, okay. He's going to he, budget he, for that. He literally signed up for in like minutes.
1: It, it was so cheap. So oh, we're sponsoring, I guess we should mention that here too, is we're sponsoring the October 2nd Ridge Day. That's about as late in the season as you want to go. Uh, it's it's a hit or miss, honestly. Like Some people get their fastest times in the September, October track days because air is cooler. cold, the turbo cars are happy, yeah. the tires are happy, they're not getting greasy. If it's dry, you're going to set a really, really good time. If it rains, then you're going to learn the track. You're gonna learn how your car drives in the rain. Uh just bring appropriate tires. Yeah, not cup twos. And not cup twos. It's, it's just not fun. It's it's miserable. Well, I didn't I'm... even try to turn off the traction control because I'm like it, like the car could put power down. I wasn't actually even worried about that. I think the mid-engine layout is good for putting power down in the wet. It, the problem is you couldn't stop. Geez. That's where I like I don't want to. Follow anyone too closely. I don't want anyone following me too closely because I can't He's, stop.
0: Yeah. Well, the official told the the Supra guy uh, to not turn his traction control off. Oh, the white Supra. No, 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 not that one. The one that gray spun out. one, the gray one. Then we up. we won't be too specific on which one it was, but it was oh. the one that spun out, and then uh. he spun out again. Um-
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, hearing, yeah. hearing the officials on radio was actually my, uh, my comedy for the day. That was, uh, that was really good. I enjoyed <laughs> that quite a bit. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah. Be sure to come out to. Yeah. If you guys want to of... come out
0: to October 2nd track day, let us know. Um, I'll be going in something that's going to be amazing. It has a V6. Ooh. It has a six B manual and it's running KO twos. It was like oh 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 <laughs> it's a Tacoma T R D oh, Pro.
1: <laughs> oh oh they switched to, to KO twos now?
0: I I'm just I'm just guessing it's KO twos. I don't know. It's probably some sort of mud tire that I know. know they were using
1: Wrangler DuraTracks before.
0: Yeah, it's probably that if and anything.
1: Some the foreigners use nittos, but uh yeah. There's an off-road park there. I don't know if they let you drive in there.
0: No, I don't. Actually, that might not be bad. Yeah, a
1: lot of press reviews are done at Ridge. Oh yeah, that I know.
0: I'm. I'm. I was gonna just sit in with my brother-in-law, with his uh in his Mazda Speed Three, but I think I decided to drive, as well, just in case if something does go wrong.
1: Are we gonna do a? Or we have three months or two and a half months to prep a kicking tires track build,
0: <sighs> a, a track beater build. I'm gonna I'm gonna shut off this this recording first, then we can talk about that because I don't want to talk about this on air. It's it's top been, secret, confidential. It's, it's been a struggle. <laughs> it's not even that. It's just been a struggle.
1: If you guys <laughs> but, have any ideas for cheap track builds leave it in the comments
0: yeah or on our instagrams we kicking tires is it's gonna be like an organization that owns too many cars very soon (laughs) i am already that organization I, i talked about my uh claim last week i
1: think my, my yes, getting hit yeah i i logged into icbc to make that claim and it's like you have five vehicles insured right now under your name i'm like whoops <laughs> I'm like, that's where all my money's going yeah.
0: icbc is taking it all anyways mm-hmm. thank you so much for watching this uh this podcast here for this week and this thing in we'll see you next week with more automotive news but do let us know if you have any other Uh, suggestions for a track day car, something that's cheap, something reasonable. We'll talk to you next week. Take care, everyone.